You're listening to the Back Home Network, presented by Homefield Apparel. Welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most important topics in the world of Indiana basketball. This is our 310th edition of Assembly Call Radio, and it is our 967th episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of September 28, 2023. I'm your host, the coach, Brian Tonsoni. And let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call, how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. And Indiana is the national champion. When it comes down, Indiana will be champion. Smart takes the shot. So Hoosiers have won the national championship. This week's banner moment occurred on Monday when the Indiana Hoosiers took to the practice floor for the first time officially this season. Practice, yeah, yeah, practice. Uh, It's going to be very important. Anytime a program has to bring in as many players as Indiana has, practice is going to be vital to mesh all of that new talent. What will Indiana look like on offense? They're going to be figuring it out here in practice. How fast will the players pick up the defensive concepts and mesh together? We're going to figure that out in practice. What will the rotation look like this season? Well, the answers to all of those questions and more will be answered in practice, Um, but also the games once they get started. But practice is important. So with the veteran team, practice is a time to fine-tune, make adjustments, work on individual development, uh, figure out when to rest your studs. Uh, But with a team full of new players and returning players uh, with limited experience, practice is not um, a time to mess around. It is a time to uh, time to teach. Practice is always important, but this year there's a lot more to accomplish than in most years, and thus the Hoosiers cannot have bad practices. Okay, now let me introduce my co-host this week. Jared is off. Uh, Andy is off, but Jared is off building some goodwill at home uh, before the basketball season starts by watching this Packers game and having his wife be able to enjoy the game while he puts his kids to bed. Uh, Andy was going to be here with us, but his daughter uh, got a chance to play some varsity this evening, and so the game for soccer. Let's let's clarify for soccer. She's for excellent soccer. young soccer player, and um, Andy won't be here. So with me, he's a senior writer for the Big Lead and a lifelong connoisseur of Tony Gwynn hitting statistics. Analyzing players, finding every wrinkle he hasn't ever hosted, never lifted a finger. He's got all the. Well, let me quickly add just one thing about this. Dude just interrupted his own jingle. Ryan, what's your rant this week? Uh, not a whole lot to go on with this week. Um, I think that we're just inching towards a Liam McNeely decision and some other recruiting dominoes should be falling pretty soon. I think that's everybody's biggest focus. Obviously we got some practice video and, you know, the guys look like they are intense and ready to go, but you know, it's a third 20 second video. So who knows what the heck is going on there? Um, but yeah, I think we're just inching towards the season slowly and, uh, anything to distract us from Indiana football will be fantastic. I think for the entire fan base. So, uh, just, you know, kind of moving towards the season at that slow pace right now, it's going to be a dead, 
you know, month essentially of October where we're here, we're getting drips and drabs. So hopefully we get some positive recruiting news in there uh, to, uh, to sort of tide us over. Um, but really it's, it's kind of been a quiet week. So we're going to try and provide you some, you know, content that uh, maybe isn't directly related to any breaking news right now. Yeah. And, and sorry for my uh, discombobulated intro, but uh, my Apple music went on right in the middle of the, uh, the intro there. And I was trying Glad to speak. we couldn't hear it. <laughs> and, and listen to some music at the same time and trying to figure out how to shut that off and, and keep the show running. So uh, I'll try not to have that happen. But anyway, we're going to talk about Hoosier Headlines in segment one. Uh, segment two, we're just going to go briefly over what we think might be the strengths and weaknesses of uh, offense, defense, uh, the, the roster uh, going forward. Uh, not that we haven't talked about that already, but just kind of get it going here for the beginning of the season. And then we have some excellent questions, as usual, in, in segment three. All of that uh, is coming up this week on Assembly Call Radio. And now, let's talk about our presenting sponsor. Home field apparel, for the team. This edition of Assembly Call Radio, just like all shows on the Back Home Network, is presented by our friends at Home Field Apparel, where they have the largest collection of vintage IU apparel that you'll find anywhere. And it's not just IU. Homefield has something for fans and grids of pretty much every school with unique vintage logos for all of them. And no matter what you buy, you know it'll be comfortable and the colors will last through many washings. Plus, you're supporting an Indiana-based company that came up through Kelly. What could be better than that? I continue to buy stuff, looking to buy some Colorado uh, gear from Homefield. Watch but- it. <laughs> but, next week, uh, Coach. Next week. Okay, I'll wait till next week. But anyway, go to homefieldapparel.com, use our promo code HOME23, that's HOME23, for 15% off your entire first order. Again, that's promo code HOME23 for 15% off. Once again, the website is homefieldapparel.com, wear one for the team. All right, here are some uh, Hoosier headlines. Probably at the top of the list is uh, we set our meetup date. Uh, The assembly call meetup date is already picked. It'll be the first weekend in February. Penn State will be in Bloomington, and so will all of us. Um, So make your um, reservations. Try to buy your tickets. But come down and see us. We'll be somewhere Friday as usual. Uh, After we have a a team meeting and a team meal, we'll be out. And then Saturday, the details will be um, developed and shared as we get closer to February on what kind of show and live show and things that we're going to do this year in Bloomington on the recruiting. Exciting. Yeah. It's always a great time to meet all of you uh, who can make it and, and, and enjoy that time on the recruiting front. Uh, things still look good with uh, Liam. We're hearing a lot of good news, uh, a lot of good chatter. I know that uh, the Twitter world was in an uproar a little bit about a, a visit from the head coach at Kansas, but, uh, those things happen, uh, and, and when you're down to two, both coaching staffs are going to continue to to recruit, and they're also going to recruit other players uh, in in those programs. So, don't read too much into that. Uh, obviously, we got to wait and and get a commitment to be really excited. But things still look good with Liam, and then really good news: Boogie Fland announced the final three of IU, Kentucky, and Alabama, and that's quite the list. Uh, those programs really do a lot for guards. Uh, and we're trying to do the same thing. And I think Coach Woodson has Hood Shafino to show. Uh, been out to see Boogie a couple times in New York. Uh, we want to get him on campus, uh, and we haven't heard anything official yet, but I would imagine sometime here in October you might be hearing about Boogie Fland coming to Bloomington. 
and we just gotta we just gotta wait. Uh, it is vital. It is important. We'll talk about that a little bit here in segment one, and then as I mentioned in the banner moment, practice has started both for the men's and women's official on court practice, and I I, I just I am excited not just to watch the little clips you see on Twitter, but you know to really try to uh, see how this all plays out. And we'll talk a little bit about that in the second segment. Ryan, your thoughts, especially on the recruiting front. You know, I, I again, you know, we hear positive things. You never know. I mean, I, I'll say this about recruiting, and I, I would hate to be the people that have to prognosticate because these are 18, 19-year-old kids. You're t- 17, 18, 19-year-old kids you're talking about, and their decisions can change at any moment. I've talked to people who, you know, have made predictions and then heard that, kids are literally walking to the table to do their hat shuffle and just choose differently than everybody expected. And sometimes you'll see it like parents behind them will be surprised, you know, at the decision. Um, so these things can change at any time. We've heard positive momentum on the, the Liam McNeely front, but we've been hearing that for a while. So that doesn't mean that he's going to Indiana. You know, it just means that Indiana can feel good about where they are. Um, you know, I'll, I'll leave any details to that, to the, to the experts on recruiting and, and stuff. And there, Indiana, you know, has some great reporters who do that. Um, but just we've heard positive vibes and, and there's there's a good feeling, I'll say, uh, around the program for that. Um, the other guys, I mean, Boogie, you know, hopefully he takes an official. I think that's really your chance to show off to a recruit is the official visit. And I'm sure for a lot of those guys, all those visits run together, you know, and feel kind of similar, but it's a chance for IU to distinguish itself against two programs that have had a lot more success than Indiana recently. And and yes, you can show, as you said, Jalen Huchifino as, as, you know, an example of developing a guy who winds up going to the NBA and, and went to a great team in the Lakers and a great franchise. And, and it's certainly something you can sell a player on. Um, but Alabama is on a roll right now. Um, and were they the number one overall seed last year? Number what, what no, seed were they in the, oh man, I should know, uh, bracket. Were they, they were one though. Done, I kind of forget. Um, I don't believe they were last year. May, I thought they were one. Okay. I'd have, I'd know, have to look. San, I know San Diego State took them down. That's all I remember. But yeah. they were they were a high seed, and they were in the top five for much of the year and had arguably one of the best players in the country in Brandon Miller. Um, and then you got Kentucky, who turns out NBA players as well as any team, you know, any program in the country. And so it's, it's a tough two to go up against, just like it's tough for Indiana to go up against uh, Kansas for McNeely. But – just to be in the conversation late is a good thing. Now, as we've said repeatedly, Indiana just has to start closing some of these. Let, let me ask you, you this. Um, did, did Boogie take a, an official his junior year? Yes, and he then, did. Then the Indiana. second question to that is, when, when you're watching recruiting, uh, do kids always take an official? I know the rules have changed now, too, but um, is it likely that he could still come to Indiana if he doesn't take an official visit uh, since he, he's down he, to the I last mean, three? He could. I just I think it's always better to get the player on campus. And I think it's more of an indication that they're going to that you have a better chance if you get them on campus. Because and now, you know, they've changed the rules where you can take one official visit to a school junior, senior. year. You can do it junior year, but you can only take one. Now, uh, the the rule that Boogie is operating under, he can take two. Uh, He can take one, you know, each year. Um, I think they should go back to the old way, but that's me. 
So do, do I think it's more like it's not likely it doesn't happen often if he doesn't. That doesn't mean it can't happen. He could have just seen everything he needed to see at Indiana last year, have the relation. He could just be committing to Woodson, you know, and not really care about the other stuff. Um, but I think that if he does go on an official visit, it increases Indiana's ability to get him. That would be my the way I would look at it. Um you know, just because it's as I've always said, and and you know, gotten a little trouble for mis for wording it oddly like two weeks ago, but um, I think that actions speak louder than words in recruiting. And if he's really interested in the school, there's no reason not to take a free trip to to campus, meet the players that are there, especially because there's been so much roster turnover since the last time he was there. Meet the guys you'll be playing with, get to know them a little bit, you know. Um, and, and, and spend some individual one-on-one time with the entire coaching staff. I think that that to me indicates that you really are, you know, that, that, that raises it up a little bit to another level of excitement. Uh, if you're, if you're following Indiana, if he does that, uh, if not, doesn't mean he can't commit. It certainly has happened before. Um, but I just think that it's a, it's a better situation for Indiana moving forward if he does visit. Well, first of all, you really didn't get in trouble. You just had some people who were misunderstanding you and then shooting off their opinions. Well, but, no, I um, mean, you know, it wasn't it wasn't artfully worded. It made it sound like I was saying he wasn't going to come because he hadn't said a visit. I just, you know, the, the indication is just if a guy's really interested, and I think he is. I've heard he's very yeah. interested. And he really likes Mike Woodson. But it's a better indication for the program if he's making a visit a priority. So, um, so a fo yeah. another follow-up, if I might. What adv I know it's all personal, and it, like you said, it could be close to home, it could be coach, it could be all these things, and we don't understand what is in the mind of these recruits. But but how does Indiana win Boogie over Kentucky and Alabama? What do they have to offer that will be a the separation for a young man like that to pick Kentucky over Alabama? Uh, I think playing time is a big thing. The ball will be in your hands. Uh, you're not going to be sharing with a bunch of other top-rated prospects. Um, you, there's going to be a hierarchy on the team, I think, as well of ages. Whereas, as at at Kentucky, it's typically just freshmen every year running the thing. Um, so there'll be people to learn from and and leadership. Hopefully, I mean, you would assume so if uh, if some of the guys that we're expecting to return return. Um, but yeah, you'll be showcased, you know, just the same way Jalen was. The ball's going to be in your hands and you are going to have a chance to make an impact. You're not going to have to fight for, I mean, you'll have to obviously earn your starting position. You're not just going to walk on campus and start. But like Jalen did, you can earn it and then you can earn the trust of being able to basically run the team. And I think that's, uh, that is enticing to kids. Uh, the tradition, you know, the coaching staff, you obviously have a coach who's been in the NBA. You get that at Kentucky too, but he was in the NBA a long time ago. A lot of Woodson's connections are still there, and I think that helps. So I think those are the things you sell. You know, tradition, all of that stuff. Kentucky has that too. You know, you're not. You know, you know, you might be able to sell them on ours is a little bit. You know, this way or that way or whatever. But going head to head, you can sell that, but that's not where you're going to win. Where you're going to win is you have a chance to Im directly impact games your first year right from the jump. You're not going to have to fight with anybody. Uh, there's nobody with your talent level that you'll have to fight for minutes with. And so I think that's a big selling point. And the other thing is Indiana can sell that and Indiana proved that with Jalen.
So yeah, you know Alabama I, to me is is a, a tough team to go up against because they just play is. a great great fun way for kids that that want to go and, and and play. I think Indiana and Kentucky have more more of that tradition and and, and fan base, you know. But um, Indiana has a, a a niche, I think, with the way they run their point guards and the emphasis yep. that Woodson has always said that he's tough on his point guards, he trusts his point guards. And that connection to the NBA, I think, is different than what Kentucky has, and even Alabama with its guard heavy and its shooting the threes and all of that kind of activity. That that might be, you know, again, it's up to the individual young man to see what's important to him. But I do think Indiana has that niche, and they have that niche with X this year. They're going to have that it that niche yeah. with Hood Shafino getting to the league after one, and to get a point guard, uh, I, I think that's, um, you know. Uh, well, and also see this. I, I think that uh, if you look at Kentucky's system, it's heavy with point guards that distribute. Right. You know, they're not typically the leading scorers. The guys who are leading scorers are Jamal Murray, who plays more off the ball. You know, I mean, it's you know, and then it was who was it? Ulyss for for his uh, for his stretch that 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 was the distributor. Um, so I, I think that if you look at a lot of the Kentucky guards outside of maybe Derrick Rose or the Calipari guards outside of Derrick Rose, most of them aren't weren't primary scorers in college. And I think that Woodson's system, you can score as a point guard and you can put up numbers and you'll be running a lot of isolation, a lot of pick and rolls and things like that. Whereas as Kentucky, it's the dribble drive motion where you just are expected to penetrate, kick, penetrate, kick, penetrate, kick. And if you can get to the hoop, you get to the hoop. But for the most part, you're setting up the offense for other people. So that. You know, and, and Calipari has adjusted his offense when he's had a scoring guard and everything, but I, I don't that's not his go-to system. And and what Woodson's is is very dependent on a point guard to make things go. You saw that not only with Jalen, but you also saw it with Xavier Johnson at the end of his first year at Indiana. Uh, and that's when Indiana got on a roll, is when Xavier was attacking from the point guard spot. So practice has started. Um if you and I were coaches and, and I we're having a coaches meeting, what what's one area that you think Indiana really has to put a lot of time and effort into on the practice floor before they take the court in November. I think it's going to have to be defensive versatility. I think it's a lot of, a lot of figuring out how the pieces are going to fit together. Cause you expect those three big guys to be on the floor at the same time. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they do that. And, and I, you know, it won't be just defense, but offensively too, where they fit, how the pieces fit together. Uh, but defensively, can Mbako guard a three? You know, can Galaware guard a three? You know, where do you get that defense? Because you know Renew is going to be a post guy. That's what he's going to be. And he's going to guard the other post guy. And, and so you have to figure out, you know, who plays the four, who plays the three, how do they fit together? Do you want one of those guys to be a super sub coming off the bench? And, and, you know, maybe playing 30 minutes, playing 25 minutes a game, but coming off the bench because the pieces don't fit that well together. I, I don't know. Um, but I think the defense, it has to start on the defensive end. And it always does with Mike Woodson. We know that defense is his priority. And so I think that will be the interesting development is how do they fit those pieces together? Because it is kind of I, like I, I don't mean this in a negative way, but it is kind of an awkward roster uh, yeah. of like how these pieces fit. And that doesn't mean it can't work. It's just kind of like on paper you're sort of trying to figure out what the plan is and they have to have a plan because they went out and got these guys with, with it's not traditional it's not a no traditional not at all roster yeah. of of a typical one two three and i know positionless basketball but even that is where we're going you yeah. usually have you know the three perimeters a stretch four who can post and do some things and then your big 
uh, center, you got a lot of guys who are going to be playing outside of their natural position. I agree 100%. I think it has to be defense. We know that from Coach Woodson when he started the program. It was defense. And the defense faltered a little bit last year statistically in Ken Palm. It, it, it dropped. It did. Xavier um, being out really hurt. And that, that ball pressure. Hurt. And just the way you have to slide together. And we always say on a string, everyone on a string. It's not just one guy guarding. You got you, you have to get better at guarding the bounce, but you also have to have off-ball positioning. And, and in the community, uh, Coach Adranya uh, put that um, film room together on Miller Cop. You don't think of Miller Cop being an excellent defender, but he was an excellent position defender. And he and was, he was a, a guy and who could – he got better and better and, and better. And better and better and better. And so when you bring in so many new guys, the positioning of the defense, not just the watching the ball, but watching the guys off the ball – is going to be hugely important because that's going to have to win games when you have to get a stop or two, uh, regardless of your pace and how many points you're scoring. If you can't stop people, you know, look at Iowa. They, they haven't won a whole lot um, that way. And I think you're right. With with the non-traditional fit, um, then it's really you, – you got a lot to work on. So yep. uh, practice has started. We know Coach Woodson and his staff is, is working really hard on that. So, okay, coming up on Assembly Call Radio – uh, let's turn our attention to the upcoming season. Uh, Ryan and I are just going to go through what we think are some strengths and weaknesses, uh, offense, defense, and, and the roster, uh, and then we'll answer your questions. Uh, so stick with us here on the Assembly Call. All right, welcome everybody. We're getting closer. Forty days, I believe, for thirty-nine days until tip-off of the NCAA college season. I'm sorry to my Cubs fan friends out there. They're uh, oh, on it again today. Goodness, the Cubs or Marlins only have to win one game, no matter what the Padres do, to eliminate them, and they're just uh-huh. stringing the Padres <laughs> along by collapsing. <laughs> and the Marlins are, are down, down now too. One nothing. Are they? Are they playing? I didn't know. Yeah, they they're losing to the Mets yeah. in the bottom of the eighth at, at New York. Yeah, and uh, if they if the three tie, the Padres take the tiebreaker, which is hilarious too, because they've been like one of the, the well, like you know what, disappointing team in MLB history. So New York goes to Houston, I think, and finishes out. And Houston's fighting for a playoff spot, and the Cubs are going to Milwaukee, who's also a, um, <laughs> and the way those two teams have been playing, it's not uh, beyond. No, not beyond the possibility that they're out. Yeah. I thought the Cubs had it wrapped up like three weeks ago, and they went. They, they lost like se- they lost seven of eight to the yeah. to the Rockies, Diamondbacks, and Pirates, and it's like ooh, no. like three of their main bullpen arms got hurt, and then yeah. they had people get in wrong positions and get tired and stretched out, and they've lost what three games in the last six with leads in the eighth inning. Oh yeah, yesterday was bad. Yesterday was bad, bad. Uh, well, no, the other day was he, bad when they dropped the fly ball. Oh yeah, and then tonight they were throwing the ball all over the park uh, oh, on one yeah, play. It's, and it's typical. It's a young team. The Maybe the the lights are a little bright. Um, well, yeah, I won't say young team, but it's an inexperienced team. Stroman, did he just get pulled tonight? He only he went two, two innings. innings. Did he get yeah. pulled or was it an injury? He got pulled. They were <laughs> they gave he gave up four runs and. And the Braves hit the ball anyway, but yeah, it's not good. All right, Ryan, let's go in to to this second uh, segment. Here we go. Yeah, they lost twelve of eighteen. By the way, jeez. <laughs> All 
What's going on? It's Christian Wofford. What's the only thing better than an epic buzzer beater? Celebrating it with friends afterwards. Join my guys, Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach on the assembly call after every IU game. Go Hoosiers. Welcome back to the assembly call. I'm the coach, Brian Tonsarn. I'm here with Ryan Phillips. And Christian Wofford, I saw a little video on, on the X uh, today, formerly known as Twitter, of all of your great shots and plays, offensive plays, a few blocks. It was really nice to see some some good one basketball of the most, as we get ready for I the think season. it's fair, Coach. One of the most underrated players in IU history. I agree. I think with Christian I agree. I mean, you, the funny thing is people forget his numbers are incredible if you go back and look. Um, he was. I think that it was because he, he maybe was never the best player on his teams, but he was so key to all four years and and had a huge contribution. I think he gets overshadowed by, you know, Yogi and Cody and Victor and 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 those guys. But he was so key to those teams and and scored. I mean, he was like I think he when he was done, he was top 10 all time in IU scoring, I think if I'm if I'm correct. I don't remember. But Absolutely. I watched that video and what we miss now is that guy just to take a pull-up jumper in someone's face or he was a big who caught at the elbow and could go isolation. Yep. They ran a lot of elbow catches for him. I saw two his senior three. year. He started. He started driving more. Yeah, and then he'd back cut on on drives when Yogi would drive. Um, that year, Yogi played with him. He just. I think. I think you said it well that uh, when he was playing, he was second, third, fourth person you kind of paid attention to. But man, was he good! All right, Ryan, practices started. We kind of kicked it off in segment one a little bit about what we would do. We talked about defense. And so just interested to get your thoughts, and then I'll throw in my thoughts a, a little bit as as the season is close. Um, offensively, defensively, and roster. We'll start off with offense. Uh, what do you see as, as the strengths, in your opinion, of this team offensively? And what are the weaknesses, as, as we know it right now, without really seeing any any action? What would you think – um, are those strengths and weaknesses offensively? Well, the strength is going to be size. I mean, they're going to be bigger than everyone. So I would assume down low they're going to be they're going to be pretty darn good. Um, I think they've got some veteran leadership in in X and Trey Galloway. Uh, so those two things I think just savvy and the ability to uh, score on the interior. I would assume weakness is always going to be three point shooting until it's proven. I'm not saying they're going to be a bad three point shooting team, but we don't have a lot of proven three-point shooters. X was incredibly streaky. Trey Galloway had a good percentage, but he didn't shoot the ball that much. So we don't really know if they're going to rely on him more this year. They haven't imported a, a knockdown jump shooter. Um, so I, I think that that's going to be interesting. How does Mbako shoot? He wasn't great in high school. He was decent, but he wasn't great. Kalel Ware can shoot it from the perimeter, but he's never put up numbers in college. So you don't know what to expect. Um, I think Malik Renew is going to be really good at scoring in the post. I think you've got the size. So you'll be able to probably outsize people down there and, and score some points that way. But the question mark for me, the weakness is, is three point shooting. And I could be wrong. You know, we haven't seen, we've said this a lot about this team. We have no idea what they're going to look like. Cause there are so many new pieces, but you didn't import a guy who shot 40%, you know, any, at any level or anything like that. Um, so I think we're still kind of waiting for the shooting to be uh, a key. I do think there's enough athleticism that the pick and roll game will look pretty good this year, uh, especially with X running it and with Gabe Cups running it, you know, as a secondary uh, ball handler. Um, so I, I think that inside the three point line, they should be pretty good at scoring. Uh, it's 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 beyond that's that's my question mark. 
Yeah, I think uh, I think they have the components to be a good pick and roll, pick and pop team, even better than last year. And it was interesting. I think Woodson said something in his opening press conference that he thought most of us would would say they fed the post more than the pick and roll, and they actually ran fifty some over fifty some percent pick and roll. So it'd be interesting to see if they run more of that kind of action. I think that put X in his best spot. Uh, to to create and then again when he had that good ten um, ten game run he was not only scoring but he was finding people I mean he was yep. he was a distributor a scorer a defender in that segment and we've always talked about it. we haven't seen it for more than ten games but the good there is, is so important the other thing that I think is a strength and I'm coming around to this and I know you and I talk offensive strategy and everything. One of the good things that Coach Woodson does is he understands who his best players are and where his mismatches are, and he gets the ball to them. Yep. You know, obviously at times I've said you got to get it's your fair. second or third guy going too because they're important, and that's where you and I di- differ with Coach Woodson, I think, a little bit. But but I'm coming around to the fact that, you know, if you have an advantage, like I'll just go back to that Illinois game at Illinois. They were, were straight up guarding TJD and not running people, and Woodson just said, give him the ball. Uh, I, I think that's a strength. Um, you know, it, it, we could talk about the weakness of, of doing that when it's not working and sticking too long, but I think that's good. And we have talent. I think the talent is there. I'm interested in seeing Mbako. Uh, I, I think there is a lot more athleticism, and you can do a lot more things offensively than last year with the pieces that, that Indiana had. So I'm really looking forward to that. I agree with you. I'll, I won't go on the shooting uh, tangent, but I think spacing is a question. With the best players on the floor, it's going to be a hard team to space until we've seen it, which adds to your to your shooting. And just from a positioning standpoint, as I'm putting together some of these uh, offensive sets and everything to for the co- community, I'm like, okay, where do you put the four? Who's the four? You know, is yeah. the defense going to trust the four? The four is out in the corner, but is the defense going to believe that's a threat? Or are they going to still clog the lane? You know, you got to give room on pick and rolls to be able to a north-south attack uh, and not just play drop coverage. That's where I think where I, I really think we can be a better pick-and-pop team um, with where and Mbako even setting ball screens and, and popping. We talked about ghost screening in one of the videos where Mbako runs up and fakes it and just runs to a three. If he can shoot that, uh, I think that's, that's a strength. But we've got to space the floor. And in Woodson's tenure, it hasn't been a team – that has really no. been able to space the floor and and allow for well, just, a defense I overtax mean, defenses. I mean, you can say, you know we can say we don't want to get too deep into the shooting, but it's just three point shooting has not been prioritized in his yeah. in his tenure, and that's one of our main complaints. And it's just it's got to be modern basketball. You have to adapt to the way the game is played now, and the way the game is played now is everybody else can shoot threes, and you need to be able it to take some it, in and the it needs break. To be a focus. Early yeah. in the shot I mean, clock, don't be yeah. afraid to take. A, I, that's I, I was watching that Watford stuff too, and how many times Halls would come down or Yogi would come just down and drive up and the transition. lane and just pull up and kick in the Verdell shot and the Kentucky shot. Take some of those. Modern basketball takes some of those, you know. Yeah. And I, I think that's something we have to. And if you can shoot them, you know, and if you develop the shooting, it will benefit you more often than not. I mean, even if you take a badge, you'll take a guy rushing one every once in a while to get that to be a consistent part of your offense. And yeah. I think that sometimes guys are, are afraid to pull the trigger. So I think uh, to answer that, I think CJ Gunn and Kayla Banks are real keys so. to stretching the floor uh, and being able to maybe play some 
three guard lineups uh, with Ware and Renew or Mbako and Renew and play a three-man rotation in that four and five spot. Um, we're not deep. I hope so. Um, we're not deep at that. No, I'm. That I, I'm just always with these guys. You know, I mean, we know what CJ Gunn could be because we watched him in high school, and I loved his energy last year and everything like that. But um, I'm very much a guy who's like, until I see it on a college right. court, I'm not going to count on it. No, I believe they can do it, but I'm not going to count on it. I'm not going to say, well, CJ Gunn will shoot 35 percent this year after he shot what, like eight percent last year, until he shows he can do it, which I think he can. It's in him. You know, the ability is in him. It's just a matter of actually doing it. And yeah. and I think he can do it. I think he will be a much better shooter this year. But I'm not going to count on it. I'm not going to bank on, well, he's going to hit 35 this year. We, we all know that. Like, I'm, right. I, I he's can't the, do that. He's the prototypical, though, two guard. Six, yes, five. Absolutely. Coming off screens, catching and shooting off of a flare screen or off of a pin screen. But we do not know if he can do that yet. Uh as soon as he can, whether it's his sophomore year or his junior year, then his game's going to elevate in Indiana's ability to shoot the basketball. You saw that with UConn last year, Ryan. Uh, I forget the guard's name now, but they had the big guy in the middle. They had uh, uh, some forwards, but that guard coming off pin screens, you had to break through screens. You had to get out and Gordon close Hawkins. out hard. Ha yeah. Gordon Hawkins. Yeah, just a, a knockdown three. Um, and, and the thing, and, and the it's th not Trey Galloway. Trey that. Galloway can yeah. shoot. But he's not a knockdown. I mean, he's not someone you're going to run screens for, right? He's going to get it off the, the drive and such. Yeah, and and Hawkins, it's 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 interesting. Um, in that national championship game, late, and, and Hawkins is a perfect illustration of why you need guys like that. Is in that national championship game with about five minutes left, San Diego State made a run. They were they were stopping them every time. They stopped Sonogo. They they were able to shut down UConn's offense, which is what San Diego State usually does. And then they finally started hitting some shots. And they got it to about four, maybe, maybe three. It might have even gotten two. I don't remember. I I was drinking. Um, but Hawkins came off of several screens, got the ball in the wing, and went up, and it was not a straight set. I'm ready to go shot. It was kind of off balance and he was kind of swinging into the shot and he nailed a three that was a very difficult shot and he made it. That's why you need guys who can do that because it changed yep. it. That took all the energy right out of San Diego state because it's, we defended it really well. He took a tough shot and he made it. And now we have to answer that three pointer on the other end or we're going to lose. They go down, they don't score. Then it's back to UConn's momentum. So threes can change momentum and 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 you need guys who can occasionally hit a tough one like a, you know that's not where their feet aren't perfectly set where the release isn't perfect whatever but they just have that field to shoot uh steph curry's the best at hitting an ugly three-pointer i mean you know that guy will shoot it from any angle whenever and 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 it's just you need a guy like that on your roster if you want to go far now look if you want to compete in the big 10 and you want to maybe make a sweet 16 maybe you can do it without a guy like that uh, it's it's going to be harder, but maybe you can do that. But if you want to compete for championships, you need guys who can make tough shots from deep. Yeah, contested shot making is is something that the, if you have it, you you elevate your roster and, and your capability to win. Absolutely. The, the, and your ceiling no goes way higher. So we transition over to defense. We talked a little bit about it in, in segment one. Uh, what do you think the strengths and the weakness of this team uh, could be defensively? Well, I think I think length and rebounding should be pretty darn good. Um, you've got guys who I really like what I see 
from the three point line in on a lot of these guys, the question is going to be speed, quickness, you know, what can Mbako do as a three defender? Cause we're assuming, I mean, we're all assuming the lineup is going to be, whether they're officially the power forward or the center or whatever, renew is going to be the post guy defensively. And then where is going to be sort of a four roaming guy, just given his athleticism. Now he may be listed officially as the center, because he's seven feet tall. But I think that we all kind of think that those two are going to be the post-ish guys and where probably guards the quicker guy. Uh, and then can Mbako defend the three? Uh, Xavier Johnson, can he can he guard without fouling is another thing because he gets into it with refs a lot. He's got to show the maturity not to. And I think Renew also, one of my, my biggest thing weakness-wise is going to be fouls for this team. Can Renew stay out of foul trouble? Is, is another big one because I think he's very key. So the weakness for me coming in, looking at what we have is fouls. Uh, depth will be interesting as well defensively. I think you've got some really good defenders in CJ Gunn, Caleb Banks, and then you've got all these athletic guys in the starting lineup. I think the depth is good, but my question then is not playing as much as they have. Can those guys translate that into production uh, when they're playing? Uh, but but as far as strengths, I do think the length and and um, rebounding will be difficult for opponents to play against. I, I I'm a a big believer that both on the offensive end and the defensive end that this will be a much much better rebounding team, um, just because of the athleticism. Uh, obviously, you're going to need Ware to play at a high level, you know, and I think Woodson's going to get his motor yep. going. Uh, but you know, we did not have your your three last year. Miller Cop wasn't a rebounder. I mean, he couldn't go up above the rim. Now you got Mbako no. going above the rim, you know. Um, and, and and Xavier Johnson is a nice point guard rebounder uh, as he well. He is. He did. He puts um, up good numbers, surprisingly. Yeah, and then you can get out and go. Like, you got to finish defensive pose- possessions with a rebound. And if your guards can rebound or you can push, like they showed the bigs push and they showed – that they, they wanted Trace Jackson Davis and, and even Race Thompson at sometimes pushing. I'm a big proponent of faster faster paced basketball, but you got to finish with the rebound. And so I, I really do think this team is set up to, to rebound quite well, uh, and that's going to bode well. I think um, the question, uh, the strength is, is again, is going to be that length and that athleticism. I, I think we're going to be able to, to, to pressure the ball, whether we can pressure it without fouling or pressure it without getting beat. But I, I do think you're going to have longer legs. You know, that dreaded word of deflections uh, happens when you have long arms. But it is an important hey, deflections thing are Deflections They're are important. important. Tom, yes. Tom Crean didn't get that wrong. It was just that he would always mention it as like his most important stat every game. And right. it's like, Tom, you guys missed how many shots. Deflections don't matter if you can't hit shots. Every program. Uh, we'll we'll chart um, chart deflections. The concern that I have, and I mentioned it in segment one, is position. Um, is this team going to be able to be in the right position more times than not, or or at the right percentage in order to stop teams? And a really concerning about you know how they get out and close out on the three. I think at times. You know, we ran that segment on the nail slot rim or whatever where they put the guys in help first and then close out. Are we going to be quick enough at the stated stated positions, uh, three, fours, and fives, to close out on the stretch four, the the three that is a little more athletic than, than Mbaco um, or Banks who are playing the three? That is going to be a key, I think, early on when we play some of those teams we should beat, um, but they're going to, you know um, – 
Florida Gulf Coast, uh, I was sending a text to you guys. Like, I'm looking at the Almanac and reading up on you – know, I, I use opponents, and they they shocked USC last year at USC early, and they have four starters back. So how quickly do you get these new guys to understand Coach Woodson's defensive philosophy and then transition defense too? you got to understand transition defense so you don't give up early, early uh, shots. But I, I think – we're all concerned about the the roster, which we'll talk a, a little bit next. But um, I, I think defense to me is the biggest concern because I think skill can put you can put points on the board with skill sometimes and and just freelance basketball, but you can't freelance on defense. Uh, the roster are we deep enough or not in your opinion? And is that another thing? I'll go back to what you said. Are you going to know it when you see it? Because right now on paper, I'm not sure we're totally deep enough. We got good pieces, but I, I don't know if I'm comfortable with the depth. I, I would I guess I would say your thoughts. Again, I need to see CJ Gunn and Caleb Banks play more. Um I think Peyton Sparks will will be better than you know projected. He's kind of quietly in the background. I think he'll be a very solid bench piece. Um but we're thin at guard. Um I do think, you know, uh I think a guy like Tamar Bates leaving really it takes some of the the depth out of there, uh, and they they didn't really find a replacement on the wing or at at you know at the two. Um, Gabe Cups, you know the reason why I think they're thin at guard, especially is that Gabe Cups is probably going to be the backup point guard, and he's going to need to play. And I while I like him as a long term prospect for Indiana, my my question mark is just thinner guy in the Big Ten is a tough combination. It doesn't mean he won't eventually be great uh, for Indiana, but how good can he be as a freshman when he's getting beat up like that? So again, needs to show me he can take the, you know, that physicality. I haven't seen it yet. Doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Um, So there's just, again, like, I feel like we're kind of hemming and hawing a lot and guys, you have to understand, like we haven't seen a lot of these guys play college basketball. And we haven't seen them in Indiana uniforms. This isn't like last year where we pretty much knew everybody coming in. Um, This is a very different situation. And it's hard to project Indiana this year. It really is. Because Kalel Ware, for example, we know what his ceiling is. His ceiling is a lottery pick who is a incredibly impactful player, has a little Kevin Durant in him, um, you know, and incredible length, all of that stuff. Who he is as a college player? Well, last year was pretty much the polar opposite of that at Oregon. He just wasn't very good. And he, and he, you know, there's a lot of reasons for that and, and probably a lot out of his control. But so now what's he going to be at Indiana? Where on that spec, that's a very wide spectrum. Where is he going to fit in Indiana? So Mackenzie Abaco, incredibly talented five-star freshman. How does he translate to college basketball? We have no idea. And so I think that it's, it's hard to make all of these projections. We're giving what we think, but it really is kind of the range of, I don't think there's ever been a season at Indiana since I have been a fan where the range of possibilities is as wide as it is this year. This is the, by far the widest range of possibilities I've ever seen. This team could be 500 or it could go to the elite eight. Like, I mean, that that's kind of how I feel. If it all comes together, this team could make a run. If it doesn't, they could struggle. Guys could worry about their pro prospects and, and be ready to get out the door and, had uh, Woodson could run a system that doesn't fit the players because it's a different setup than last year. Um, and, and things could just go sideways. Um, so you're kind of in this situation where I don't know what to expect. I really don't, 
Uh, there's a lot of talent and they could be really fun to watch at times. And I am looking forward to seeing them play, but it, it's so crazy to think how wide this range of possibilities is. What, what, again, we're all just speculating tonight, but what's the rotation, the ideal rotation with this roster, if things work out and then how tight do you get your roster? If, if some of the guys aren't ready, uh, to perform, what, what would you, what would you do if you were coaching? Uh, yeah, I mean, you got to feel Anthony Walker is going to play. So we're talking, we know what we've, we've said what the starting five is Xavier Johnson, Trey Galloway, uh, where Mbako and, and renew, you got to figure Anthony Walker is going to be in the mix or he wouldn't have come. So that's six Caleb banks and CJ Gunn have to play or it's a waste. So that's eight. You add in, uh, Peyton sparks. That's nine. I think that nine is probably your. You got to play cups. Oh, yeah, and, and get guard. cups. So that's 10. So, that, so you have two full units. And that's ten. I forgot about cups. Are yeah, we going? So, we're not going to go back to the hockey style five on five. No, I got. I hope not. But um, you have to expect it. That yeah, it's probably going to be ten players for a while, and maybe you tighten that up at some point. Somebody will get injured at some point, and you know whether it's a, a one game or not, you're going to have some some flexibility there. But I would yeah. assume they'll start with ten um, and go from there. Remember, they're short of scholarship this year too. So yeah. uh, by design, I think uh, they didn't want to. And Jakai is still hurt. Um, so yeah, Newt, I mean, a to... lot of a lot of people are are speculating on a red shirt there. Um, that uh, it, again, I'm not I'm not breaking any news there. I don't know, but the, but there have been a lot of people speculating he may just sit this year to get healthy and come back next year. Um, and I'm and not Leo. sure that he's a guy who would. I, I wouldn't. I'm not sure Newton was a guy who would have played a ton anyway this year. Um, maybe early, gotten some time, but uh, he could have been in line for a red shirt anyway. So. Yeah. Um, think he'll be a good player, but you know, th- there's just doesn't seem to be a whole lot of opportunity for him there, given CJ Guns ahead of him, and um, and so is Trey Galloway. So, yeah, I would say ten is probably the target, and and then you've got again Newton, big question mark, and Leal um, are, are the are the deep bench. Yeah, I, I think I, I think I would lean towards nine. I, I think Sparks is a opponent specific substitution. Um, like Purdue, when yes. they have, a, he's going to get more of his minutes in a game where there are some real big dudes that are going to post up, and you can go in and bang Michigan and pick State up, or something. Pick like up your that, four yeah. or five fouls. Um, I, I think a Walker will fit in. I, I still, it if everything develops, I think you could see the Embaco where renew rotation at the four and the five, and then Walker would be the fourth guy and Sparks would only come in. But that's, that would put five players in those two spots. But that's really dependent on your perimeters, uh, Banks yeah. and Gunn and Cups being able to to play in the rotation. I, I know, you know, Bob Thompson will make fun of me because it's the 9,000th time I said it. It's a guards game, and, and we got a lot of bigs, right? So – um, I like that lineup uh, because I just firmly believe that Mbaco is really, really, really good as a four. He's going to be good and, and probably really good as a three, but I think he's his best at, at, at the four. Uh, so that that's my concern with, with the roster, uh, and it is dependent on a couple second-year guys and a freshman uh, yep. to, to develop. And if they do, then, man, Indiana's going to be ready in March. Uh, but with those guys, you never know, do you? Whether it's going to be right away, or it's going to be Christmas time, or maybe it's months. their sophomore and junior years. Uh, yeah. When those guys, those developmental guys, when they pop, uh, the sooner the better. Um, uh, for, for I'll say that. I'll say roster. this to you know a guy like Cups. I mean, 
I know for a fact Mike Woodson really loved Gabe Cups as a recruit. Um, despite you know recruiting rankings, I think when they when they started going after him, he was only a three star and he's kind of skinny and you know, but he was a winner. And and I, Indiana really liked Gabe Cups, and so I don't think he's bringing him in to not play. So I don't think Gabe Cups is going to get five minutes a game to start. I think no. he is going to be the backup point guard, as far as I've, I can tell right now, unless they really plan on Trey Galloway being the second ball handler and you know but I don't think that's the case I've heard people say that he in the offseason workouts and and in the scrimmages and I haven't heard anything from this week yet but have been really the coaches really like Gabe because of his competitiveness and because of his basketball IQ he's Uh, got all the intangibles that's never a question question for me will be you know his physicality and speed of the game and all of that stuff he's not um, he's not quite at the level of Hood Shafina who you can throw in there and and at six five and his build and NBA pedigree and the competition um, and the competition he played against you know Jalen yeah. played against college competition all the time at, at Montverde so I mean you know they always say those kids from IMG Montverde whatever they're ready for college when but I think campus, so. I think he's going to be a kid played- like a Hulls um, that just finds ways to win knock down big yep. shots makes the right pass hustles back gets a deflection dives on the floor you know is that energizer bunny that when the starting unit isn't playing well he gets subbed in and the crowd goes crazy because he got you know three or four minutes and you really the one thing about the bench is like think about how many times Caleb Banks got tips and offensive rebounds think of CJ Gunn getting deflections like we all talk about them offensively but that could be a that could be a spark defensively like if things aren't going well throw those three in and get after it right uh with their length and and uh, that that's an interesting spot to use use that rotation. We've talked recruiting already. There's some momentum. Indiana's uh, doing a really good job of getting uh, seats at the table uh, with some of the biggest uh, recruits, and now we just have to wait patiently for they them to land. So I think that's obvious. Uh, the weakness would be if we don't get some of these high school guys, and we have to rely on on rosters and and coaching. I'm sure Ryan and I will have a lot to say about the coaching uh, going forth once once we see anything, but we just wanted to give you a a quick little uh, idea of what we're thinking about as practice started, uh, what uh, Indiana might be good at and what Indiana might be bad at. And we'll probably be proven a hundred percent wrong. And maybe just whoa, 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 whoa. speak for yourself. I'm going to be right. (laughs) I, you know, me, you've never been wrong. So never once, never. never Okay. Maybe once, maybe once in a while. Uh, (laughs) You, You did live in Milwaukee. I did, man. It was cold. I don't know why. <laughs> it was. That was really that was cold. that was a that was that was definitely a choice by me. I uh, by the way, anybody, I love Milwaukee. Great town. It is for a fun town. Mo- for the six months of the year, it isn't winter. Uh, yeah, it's a really really fun town. All right, coming up on assembly call, it's mailbag time. We got a bunch of great questions. We'll answer all of them uh, right next. Uh, stick with us here on assembly call. So, All coach, right. you were talking yeah. about Miami being down one nothing to the Mets. They took a two one lead in the in the top of the ninth, and it's in a rain delay. Yeah, <laughs> I got I got that game on the Cubs game on. Does it look? Then, does the rain look bad, or does it look like they're going to bring it back? They were trying to get through the ninth inning because it was one nothing, and then they tied it up, and then they walked a the guy, and then they just couldn't wait any longer. They they had to 
had to delay it. So there's guys on first and second with like one out for Marlins in the top of the ninth. So not looking good. Oh, the Cubs are coming back too. It's 5-3. They got runners on first and second. Excuse me if I'm not confident in uh, in the Cubs. (laughs) Uh, Well, it just went to the bottom of the eighth. Oh, did it? Must yeah. have hit a double play or something. When yep, Swanson grounded into a double play. Yep. Well, there you go. There's I'm just why the, the ESPN it thing is, is up. Yep. Yeah. All right, let's get this uh, let's third get segment it. going. What, like three, four? <laughs> Nail it. Yeah. All right, here we go. Hey, it's Romeo Langford. What's the only thing better than hand a game winner to beat Wisconsin? Celebrate it with friends afterwards. Join Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach on assembly call after every IU basketball game. Go Hoosers. You are listening to Assembly Call, uh, Thursday, uh, Assembly Call Radio on Thursday nights. I'm the coach, Brian Tonsoni. I'm here with Ryan Phillips. And in segment three, it's now time for our mailbag. And these questions were submitted via our private IU basketball discussion community which you can learn more about and join, uh, go to assemblycall.com backslash community. All right. Uh, Phil Samuels asked this. Um, Did Bill Self return to Mount Verde to recruit Cooper Flagg or take another shot at Liam? It used to be NIL was a separate discussion. Are coaches now recruiting with deals already made? To the second part of that, yes. They are recruiting with money in mind and and a couple coaches have have brought up we need to get that out of the game the the nil deals to recruits we need to get out nil deals to players who are on campus or whatever or you talk about a recruit like the opportunities that are there and all that but there are a lot of prominent coaches now coming out saying that handing hundreds of thousands of dollars to recruits who have never stepped on campus and never played a game probably needs to be taken out of of college sports. I know uh, a couple guys have talked about that recently. Lincoln Riley talked about it and he said, we don't, we don't want to pay high school recruits. Uh, we, you know, they've done it with transfers, but they've, they've said that a lot of guys he talks to, and and I've talked to some, some coaches and stuff. They said it's, it's bad. It's bad for college sports to, for these guys to be getting deals before they're in. Uh, Cause a lot of them have backfired. Um, you know, and guys are there for a year and leave and you've, you've handed them a huge chunk of cash. And I think that they, they don't like it. So yes, but as of now, while it's still legal, NIL deals for recruits are happening. Um, and it may stick around. That may be, that may be the new normal. Everyone has to adjust to going forward as to why Bill Self returned to Montverde. We don't know. Uh, you know, it's like we, I mean, have heard certain things and stuff. I know he's after Cooper flag big time. Um, Liam McNeely is also down to Kansas and IU. Um, so I assume that he talked to him as well. I don't know who he, you know, how interested he is. I can't gauge that. I don't know any information, but, um, yeah, he definitely was down there for Cooper flag as well. So, and maybe first, uh, but Liam's also there and they're still recruiting Liam. So that's all. Yeah, and that's, it's just a part of being patient. You know, when you're down to the last two, uh, Indiana's contacting, uh, McNeely and, and Kansas is going to do that. Uh, and, and so now we just got to wait for whenever the decision, uh, for Liam is on his schedule uh, to make. And, and we would expect coach Woodson to do what he needs to do to maintain those connections and, 
and that relationship to make sure that he brings uh, Liam to uh, to Indiana. Uh, Jamie Qureshi asked this, uh, what is considered acceptable, not acceptable in recruiting circles for a coach to say about another coach or school to a recruit and trying to get a leg up? Any idea on Mike Woodson's stance on that or how he operates within that realm? Long question short, are we playing the game when it comes to recruiting? You are not supposed to talk about other programs. That is, I don't, I don't know if that's an enforceable rule. I know it's an unwritten rule, but I'm not sure. I don't know what the the recruiting rules have changed so much with NIL and, and other things, and they keep the NCAA keeps updating it over the years. Um, but I know for the longest time you weren't supposed to mention other programs. You were not supposed to say, "Well, here compared to Oregon, Oregon doesn't play their freshmen. We do." You know, like you weren't supposed to do that, and you weren't supposed to badmouth anyone. You weren't supposed to say, "Hey, this coach, he's got an attitude problem, and he's this, and he's really tough to deal with." You're supposed to let the players now do people do it. Absolutely. Of course they do. And it's all hearsay, you know, unless, unless there are text messages, you know, that, that can get turned over to the NCAA and stuff like that. I mean, it happens. Um, I tend to think the best programs do not, it's called dirty recruiting. And I, and, and you think dirty recruiting has to do with money. It doesn't it has to do what you say about other programs. And I tend to believe the best programs don't need to do that. Nick Saban is not bad-mouthing Georgia. He's promoting his program, uh, and he's using his program as an example to say, this is what you can be. Look at the NFL draft every year. That's what you can be. Um, so I remember when, you know, just from a personal experience, when Pete Carroll was at USC, he had a standing rule with his coaches, do not talk about other programs. We pitch our program to people, and if that's not good enough for them, they don't belong here. So I do tend to think that, that the best programs don't need to resort to that. I know there are several programs in the Big Ten who badmouth Indiana constantly, and it ticks everybody at Indiana off. You can uh, just make some assumptions given some of the teams they go up against in recruiting. And I'll say one of them is not Michigan State. But there are other teams they go up against in recruiting a lot who say a lot of negative things about Indiana. Um, You can figure that out for yourself. I'm not going to publicly accuse anybody, but you can get it. Um, so yeah, I think, I think it's, I think it's kind of a, a low rent thing to do. And I think Indiana should be better than that. I don't know what Mike Woodson says to teach the players though. Do teams subtly drop hints? Like, uh, we, we play our freshman point guards, you know, Indiana plays their freshman point guards, which is a kind of a, if you're going against a school that doesn't, uh, is there a way to, to, to differentiate differentiate yourself from a school without mentioning that school and being a dirty player or is it just you just got to focus I think on you yourself. just have to focus on the benefits of your program and if you say like look our business school is ranked here you know yeah. like without saying the other place is down here right like that's kind of what I was uh, getting at yeah no I, I think it's you just have to emphasize your positivity and let them figure it out very good um Kyle Muehlbauer, Kyle, I hope I pronounced that correctly, said, this week on Inside Indiana Football, things got awkward when a fan told Tom Allen, quote, it's a business. Um, he, and he did that after he said his, uh, his section of the, uh, of the stadium was mad and, and yelling. Uh, what statement or question could a listener of Assembly Call ask about the show, not your personal life, that would make you feel the most uncomfortable? What my salary is. <laughs> no uh i don't it would be it, i don't think anything you guys can ask us anything 
uh, outside of personal life. Uh, you can ask us anything. I don't, I don't think I have any, uh, anything I'm super uncomfortable with talking about. Uh, I wouldn't give up anybody who I consider a source or anything like that. I would, you know, who do you talk to? I would never answer that question. Um, but so that, that might be it. But other than that, I mean, I'm pretty much an open book here. We'll talk about anything you want. You see us in person, ask me any question you want. Yeah. I, I think an accusation of, of, of not sharing sources or, I don't think we're all used to that criticism, you know, like uh, accusations that we don't know anything um, or whatever. Um, I don't know about the, what we do here at Assembly Call that would make make uh, us uncomfortable. No, that did get uncomfortable. That 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 uh, that conversation with, uh, <laughs> with with Tom Allen. I didn't like watching it. No, I, uh, I yeah. How how did you take that? Is he just saying it's time for him to go or it's time for him to get the job done or <laughs> I think it was more get the job done but yeah I think if he doesn't get the job the implication was if he doesn't get the job done he's got to go and and quite frankly I don't think that's wrong No No he he's got to get back to coaching football uh I I think the program has been splintered in many different areas and it and it doesn't have a vision. I said that on, on, on the coach's corner in the in the community this week. You have to have a vision how you want football to be played, and then every decision is tied to that. If you want to be a running program, you may blocking schemes may change here or there, but you still go back to that running. I don't know that I've seen any consistency in defense, offensive philosophy, and I know coordinators come and go, and but but I think I think there's a lot of. Uh, promoting and NIL complaining and cheerleading and jumping up and down when you need to coach football. Uh, but we'll leave that at that. Um, Valerie uh, Elliott says, this is a serious comment. Can we schedule an official visit with Boogie Flan and bring the pet band along? We ring the doorbell, cue the pet band, and then out comes Boogie Wonderland. I feel strongly about this. Music wins every time. Valerie, I'm going to give you, I'm going to send you the email address for the Indiana media folks. Pass that along. I'll pass that along. You send that suggestion to them and see what happens. <laughs> I think the first step, we just need to get Boogie on campus. So let's, let's worry great. about that yeah. first. And then, <laughs> and then the other, the, the, the pep band and the music, we'll bring in like the marching dozen, not the whole hundred. You know, that might be a little too overwhelming. I think um, coach Marlowe um, asked that about, the word is that the unofficial over the summer, but I think it was an official, right? Over the summer, was it an unofficial visit for Boogie? I think um, it was an official in his junior year. Yeah, I don't know if he came. I don't. I don't know this if summer. he's been to campus since. But but he asked what we talked about earlier. Is it is it enough um, to, for him to make it? His could decision? it could honestly be, right? it, it could be for some kids. You know, you've seen one college campus, you've seen them all. Uh, you know, and he could have really good, vivid memories of it. I just think that it. Um, it is beneficial to the program to get a kid on campus as much as possible. And if he's really down to three, it'd be really good for him to visit. Uh, that doesn't mean that Indiana is out if he doesn't visit. I certainly don't believe that. And I know he, again, really likes Indiana, is really interested in Indiana. Put him in the final three. I mean, that proves that. We've been saying that for a while, though. Um, and I, I think that, yeah, it's it just – 
it just, you can feel better about it if he's on campus, you know, and that's not that you should feel bad about it now. I just think it's another additive. It brings it up another notch if he does get on campus. So he asked, what are the odds IU lands boogie? Are are you comfortable just saying that, or is it just 33%? (laughs) 33%. Let's go there. No, I, again, we know what we know and we're not the recruiting experts. I mean, we hear things, but we're not, you know, there are other reporters who are Indiana people who are much more involved in that than, than we are. Um, but from what I've heard, he really likes Indiana really likes, like really likes Mike Woodson. Um, but he has connections at other schools too, at the other, at the other two schools too. So it really is just kind of, again, you're, you're predicting what an 18 year old kid's going to do. And, uh, I, you know, it it could change any day, but I, I know that he does really like Indiana and he likes what Indiana has to offer, but, who knows? So uh, I think Greg asked an uncomfortable uh, question here. How many times have I worn Purdue gear in Delphi? That's not uncomfortable, Greg, uh, because I've I owned, owned nothing Purdue. No hat, no T-shirt, no home field. I will never buy home field Purdue. Uh, the sad thing, Greg, is that uh, our school colors are the same as Purdue, and I do, I do wear uh, – school colors on Fridays and to sporting events. And it kind of makes me a little uncomfortable to wear that. But anyway, that's a good question from the chat. Last question, uh, Ryan, uh, Kevin, um, Sermersheim says if McNeely were to commit to IU soon, fingers crossed, do you think that announcement would have an impact either good or bad on Fland and or Queens decision to come to IU? Well, he's very, he's very close with Derek Queen. So I think it can only help. Um, they're, they're very tight. And so I think that can only help. I think those guys are both going to make their own decisions though, just from what I understand. Um, you know, and, and they, as they should, they should make, they shouldn't pick the place that their buddy goes. They should pick the place that's best for them. But I think that it's, it's a benefit certainly with queen. I don't know how, how it would affect Fland. I don't know if they have a relationship or if that, you know, getting a highly ranked player to play with would entice Fland. I think wherever he goes, he's going to have highly ranked players to play with those, those final three schools are all going to be in a very good position talent wise. Um, but I think it would certainly help with queen. And, and I think that, you know, queen just, well, I'm, well, we've gotten positive momentum from uh, on the McNeely front. From Queen, what I continually get is just a shrugged shoulder. Just like we, nobody knows where he's going. You know, it seemed like IU for a while. He might be leaning Maryland now. Uh, Houston is still in the mix. Like I mean, so that one's kind of feels like a, to- a toss up, um, and and probably changing for the young man, changing every day. Uh, so I think Indiana's still in it. Indiana's going to fight to the end. Uh, they would love to land him. I, they put a lot of eggs in that basket, uh, especially with Flory Bodinga going elsewhere, uh, choosing Kansas, which was a surprise to me. I thought he was going to Duke for sure, by the way. I, I, I was told by numerous people about two weeks before it happened that he was going to Duke and then he went to Kansas. I Kansas is good, man. They're good at recruiting. Um, but yeah, so I would, I would say to, to get back to the question, if McNeely commits to IU, I'd say it can only help with Queen. Um, and I don't know how that would affect Flan's recruitment at all. I think it affects Flan's recruitment some if if he's concerned whether Indiana can win or not. Right? Alabama's yes, been winning. I, Kentucky's play, been wants, winning. And that's kind he of wants my, to, that's he wants my to go win the, probably. So uh, it, and that's my it. point with he'd be around talented players, so there'd be a yeah. better chance of like being successful. Yeah. Is is kind of and what? So I it evens there, Indiana up with those others because uh, yes. the recent history is in favor of those other. 
it could only help. So, yeah. And the bottom line, Ryan, we need a couple guys. We just don't need Liam. We need we need a couple of these guys yes. uh, to to say yes to to IU. La- last question, Ryan. Uh, USC going to blow out Colorado? I don't know if it'll be a blowout. I think that uh, I think Colorado is going to come out a lot better. They got humbled last week. I mean. That was just an utter, utter beatdown. I think Colorado is going to come up fired up. It's a sellout. There will be a lot of USC fans there because it's Colorado. And there's, it's, why are they doing that, coach? That's it's ridiculous. nine eight. It's ten a.m. locally, so they can make it the noon national. Make that the night game. Wouldn't that be awesome yes. as a night game? That yes. atmosphere. They're doing a whiteout. Like, I yeah. So I think it's stupid. I also think that the whenever there's an early start like that, I think it helps the team that's not as good, which is Colorado. Yep. Um, so anything awkward or different or off, like, you know, I've talked about the classic, like the, the downpour game, like that helps the yeah. team. That's the underdog. Um, so it'll be interesting. I, they're at home. They refocused after getting blown out. I do think USC wins. Uh, but I don't think it'll be a repeat of the Oregon game. I think it'll be, I think at halftime, it Colorado could be ahead. Indiana is All right. Def- I got folks. Thank you. USC's defense Dude just interrupted himself. I did. All right, right I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. But yeah, I think it should be. A, I think the first half certainly should be a fun game. It's two of the best quarterbacks in the country. Recommend everybody watch it. Caleb Williams is, if anything, he was unbelievable last year, and he's if anything better this year. Uh, so, and he he will be the number one pick in the draft, regardless of what happens the rest of the year. So, um, fun. It should be a fun one to watch. Uh, I'm getting up real early to watch it. So, uh, I you get I, up even I earlier. Watch the Ryder Cup. Don't you have to cover the Ryder Cup starting? I with, uh, I don't have to on or Saturday. stay up late for you guys, right? Yeah, probably. Starts at ten o'clock. Uh, and then I'm going to be in Rome next week. I'm missing it by three days. Oh, yep. Very good. Well, that's going to do it for uh, this week's uh, episode of the Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for this live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. Thanks to Bob Thompson for producing our music, and thanks to John Ringer of RigDesign.com for designing all of our logos, and thank you for listening. Until then. Take it from me, Yogi Farrell. Keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim, and go Hoosiers. That's it. We're done. No more questions. Thank you. Thanks for coming out. Hey, the show's over. Here I come, Coach Tonsoni. All right, everyone. Thank you for joining us. A few Cubs weeks lost. away from games. Sorry, yeah. Coach. That's all right. I got IU football. Well, I mean, I got IU basketball to look forward to. At a boy. Go Trojans, by the way. Also, and go Hoosiers. Yeah. But- very good. All right, guys. Good, very good. Thanks Have for tuning in, everybody. Everyone. Love you, Coach. I'll see you in two weeks. All right. Peace.